First Corinthians 11, and we're going to read 7 through 12. Beginning in verse 7, For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. This is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, In the Lord, women is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so now, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. A quick prayer with me. Father, would the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight? Would you guide us by the indwelling Holy Spirit? Would you give ears to hear? Lord, would you help us to see your truth and to be committed to Christ our King? In Jesus' name, amen. So we are transitioning from, we've spent a couple weeks on looking at the role of a man and the task of, of a man or the husband in marriage. And we, we kind of with the idea of uh, marriage is one purpose with two roles, the husband as head uh, in headship and the, the wife uh, in submission. And there are tasks that kind of underlie both of those things. But what we're doing is we're moving in a transition to looking at uh, the role of the wife and her task. But as I was trying to approach this, I felt it very hard to make this transition because we live in a culture and a society that has lost our understanding of a very basic truth. And it's simply... What is a woman? Now that is, if you're up in news and what's going on in uh, the political world, you know that's a that's a buzz phrase right now. What is a woman? But the sad reality is, the truth of this matter, the world for many many years has purposely attempted to redefine our understanding of what a woman is. Now, the world is slow in its tactics. It's not a quick mover. It's creeping, but I will say it seems as if they're trying to move faster and faster these days. But it's been a long time coming, and it's been a long time that the world, Satan, has simply tried to blur the line between the differences of a man and a woman. That's how it's began, to blur the line between the differences of a man and a woman. And over the years, the line continues to 
continues to get blurrier. And as we fast forward today, it's become so blurry that we are told that a man can be a woman. Or a woman can be a man. Now, I want us to understand that's not necessarily our focus today. Um, but it inevitably has to take us there. But what I, what I want us to see is why this is so important that we understand what the Bible says a woman is. As Christians, we should care about this, not because it fits our political party platform, not because women need to wear dresses or cover their heads. It's because the foundation of our lives... Our families, our societies, the foundations of time and space and history has its origin in Genesis 1 where God said it was good. And not only that, he said it was very good. God created all things. And we know that he created all things. And here's the two words I want you to understand. Is that God created all things purposefully and perfectly. Purposefully, meaning he had a will and intention. Perfectly, not in the sense of perfect like him, but it fit his purpose perfectly. Does that make sense? Okay. He created with intention and is exactly as he intended. No mess ups. And we live our lives as Christians in the pursuit of God's glory. And that can only be done by truth. Okay, in, in, in living a life founded on truth. The only way to do that is to acknowledge God's grand design, His order, and His will. But what happened? What has happened? It's the, it's the ever coming back to the garden where the snake whispers in our ear, did God really say? This is the issue that we have at hand. And now the world... Is it whispering anymore, did God really say? But now this fallen world is shouting proudly and profoundly, God did not say because there is no God. Like that's where we're really coming to in this world. And it's not being quiet anymore. Now we have to acknowledge that that's always been the thought of the world. They've just been constrained. But now it's as if the constraint has been removed. And they, there's, there's no holding back. So where does that leave us? We have a society that considers it wrong to teach our kids that God made men and women differently. We have a society that has shunned and vilified the idea of biblical manhood and has corrupted and ruined the beauty of biblical womanhood. I want to say that again because I want you to understand this. Our world... Our fallen world, our fallen culture, our society that we participate in has shunned and vilified the idea of biblical manhood and has corrupted and ruined the beauty of biblical womanhood. We, the church, okay, this is, we're at a crossroads, okay? We stand at a crossroads. You're at a crossroads, you've got... You go one road or you go another, right? This is what I want you to take from today. Now, we are going to look at what 
is a woman, what the Bible says a woman is. But I want you to understand that the crossroads is very black and white. You have two choices. There are two roads. We can take the road of the world and receive its ideas of progress that are supposed to be with their purpose of freeing us from the old, from history, from the way it used to be. That's the way of the world. That's the way of progress. That comes with all the isms of the world that we've been talking about. But obviously, the other road is the road of following Christ. And that road, when you take that road, you not only follow Christ, but you have to trust His Word. You have to follow His Word. You must understand, we cannot take, we cannot take the path of the world and hold on to your Bible. You can't do that. You cannot walk through progressivism, feminism, secularism, all those isms, and then just be like, but I'm going to read my Bible as I do it. Because the way you're living your life isn't contradictory to what you are holding in your hands. So if we take the path of following Well, let me back up. If you try to follow the world and take your Bible with you, that's like trying to travel through Europe with a map of America. You understand that? You're not going to go anywhere. You're going to be lost. Always. But if we follow the path of Christ, we must also understand that we have to let go the things of the world. And it includes their ideas and their ideologies that are coming from us. And that, I think we discussed this once and maybe in Sunday school class, that the, the, the ideas and the wisdom of the world always feels like it's halfway true. Like there's something to it that we could hold on to. But it all isn't true. And it's all for the sake of something other than the glory of God. So if we are taking the road of following Christ... We must understand that the path of Christ is contradictory to the ideas of the fallen world. You cannot be in the world and of the world if you're a Christian. It cannot happen. And what this boils down to is what, how we started our gathering together. And that's acknowledging, and we have to acknowledge as Christians, that Christ is King. He is our ruler. He is not only our ruler, but he is actually the ruler of the unbeliever. He has all authority and in heaven on heaven and on earth. Do you believe that Christ is king? Do you believe that he is worthy of your submission? Do you believe that he is worthy of your honor, your obedience, your trust, your life and your allegiance? If so, I want to remind you today that the world is wrong when it tells us what a woman is. Now, here's the problem. You think, oh, that's a very, seems like a very small thing. No, no, no. The truth of 
marriage of a man and a woman, I, I've already said it, is fundamental to life and to living. And if you go back and think about where we came from when we started this series, it, the man and the woman and marriage was created for the purpose of the glory of God. And so if you undermine and undercut one or the other, then you are undermining and undercutting its purpose, which sounds a lot like what the world would want to do, right? So what is a woman? You ready? A woman is not a man. I mean, it's really simple. But myself and you all, you have been conditioned to think that men and women aren't different. Like we 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 practice it. We go we go through things where we acknowledge it, maybe self self consciously, and then and then self consciously when we hear someone talk about submission and headship, we cringe a little bit. Or we hear, or like we're gonna hear. Talk about one being stronger than the other. We think, oh, should you say those kinds of things? Because we've been conditioned by the world to acknowledge there's no difference between man and woman to undermine, get this, God. It is to undermine God as creator. You undermine Genesis 1-1, you don't have to worry about the rest of it. So, uh, here, here's a summary statement of what I want us to get through this morning. Now, I, I already know this is a big, it's a, it's a bunch of words, okay? But as we, we're going to walk through this statement this morning, and if we have to this evening. So, put your, put your hearing and ears on and, and listen to this statement to, for us to understand what the Bible says about a woman. And this is coming a lot from all different areas in Scripture, a lot from 1 Corinthians 11, a lot from 1 Peter 3, but also from Proverbs, from Genesis 1.1. Here's the statement I want us to think on. Here it is. In God's purposeful and perfect design of a woman... As a vessel of the image of God, God created the woman to complement the man in order to help him fulfill the command from God to multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. That's half of it. In so doing, God purposefully and perfectly created the woman to be more glorious but weaker than the man. However, the weakness of the woman is not one that makes her worthless or less valuable, but the very opposite. It makes her glorious and very valuable. So what we're going to do is unpack that statement. And... There is the very good potential that I'm going to say something that sounds bad. Because I'm a man. Okay? <laughs> and I am, I'm willing to hear. 
and it's going to be possible. But know that, um, well, yeah, we know this. So here, here's, here's what we got to do. First thing is to make sure we affirm this. God's purposeful and perfect design. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I already, already have. Um, if you stumble here that God had an intention in when he created both male and female, if you stumble there, then we're in big trouble. And where uh, we can't have a conversation, but you have to, you have to trust that when God says that men and women are different, and He created them for different purposes, if you cannot trust that, I want to tell you something: you cannot trust Christ as Lord. If you cannot trust the simplicity of Genesis 1, you are going to have a hard time trusting anything else in Scripture. The Word of God is the Word of God. We cannot stumble on the fact that God is perfect in His will, His purpose, and His design. Because the very purpose and will and design of man and a woman of marriage brings forth Jesus Christ. We cannot, we cannot say, I don't know about God's, how God created me. You know, we cannot stumble here. The triune God of the Bible is the creator of all things, all things. And he created them out of nothing into the very thing he wanted them to be. No flaw, no mess, no misstep, no mess up. He created it and he said it was very good. First thing is we have to affirm that God was purposeful and perfect in His design. The next thing, we must affirm that God created both male and female in the image of God. So in here, here's where we the rub starts to come. When we start to say that there's differences, then we start to say that, well, then there's superiority or inferiority or that man is the image of God and women are not the image of God. But we must affirm... Because the scriptures affirm that God created man and female, both he created them in the image of God. Now, we find that in Genesis 1, but even in 1 Peter 3, we see a similar statement said differently. Adam and Eve were made as vessels. Men and women, all men and women were made as vessels, carriers of the image of God. They were both expressions of of the likeness of God, both of them. They are equal in dignity, value, and worth because they both carry as vessels the image of God. And so why do I use the word vessel? It's because Peter uses the word vessel. If you look at 1 Peter 3, he says, verse 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. We define Male and female as image bearers, correctly? Correct? What does what do you do when you bear something? You carry something. What does a vessel do? It carries something. What is man and woman carrying? The image of God. Right? Um, if in First Peter three it says, well, no, I, we'll save time. We all agree on that. Men and women bear, carry our vessels of the image of God. 
So we can come to this conclusion. Now this is very important. Because this is where the world gets us wrong. Neither man or woman should find their worth in their gender or in their role. This is how we ought to view all people. That regardless of their differences, regardless of their sex, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of whether they're in the womb or out of the womb, that they all have worth, value, and dignity because they are all image bearers of God. All people are made with value, dignity. Do you understand why? When I, I, This is kind of a side note. When you hear the word sanctity of life, do you understand why we use that word sanctity? You don't know what that means? It means holy. Created and established and made holy by God. So life is sanctified, set apart for the purpose of God. Marriage is sanctified, set aside for the purpose of God. Now we come into an issue when we consider the fall and what sin has done to these things. But it does not take away the sanctity, the purpose that God has set apart for life and for marriage for people. But even more so, we don't want to find our value or our identity in our gender or our role, but more so, not only in the Im- being made in the image of God, but as Christians, we don't find our ultimate identity in physicality, uh, in, in what we're doing, but the fact that you have been united to the Son of God, that is what creates your ultimate worth and value. That you have been forgiven, justified. You've been adopted into a family. And in Christ there is neither male nor female. That is our ultimate identity. But see, the world says... Oh, no, no, no. It's very important. You see what the man's doing over there? You see what the woman's doing over there? If you want to have value, you need to have this opportunity or that opportunity. No, no, no. We find our hope, our value, our identity in our union with Christ. So, we affirm God's purposeful and perfect design. We affirm that God has created both male and female, a vessel of the image of God. But in creating the vessels, we have to affirm that He has created them differently. God created the woman to complement the man. God created the woman to complement the man. To do so, He made her a different vessel. Now, why would God need to make a woman different from a man? Because because her purpose was different from the man. Her purpose was to be that of a helper. To do the things he couldn't. to, to, To assist in the areas that he could not fulfill. He had to make her fit for the task. Imagine if God... When he, when he looked at creation and he saw Adam and he said, it's not good that man be alone. He's tasked him to go and do and he just clones Adam. He just cloned him. Made, made a man just like him. 
how would he have been fruitful and multiplied? You see the very first command that God gave. He had to give Adam a helper that was different from him. Adults, do you understand what I'm saying? Here's where I really need you to think for a minute, though. If God was wise enough to make a helper with a different type of reproductive organs in order, in order that the task of multiplying would be able to be accomplished so that, that the reproductive organs of the man and the woman would complement each other in order to, to be able to complete and fulfill that task, could it be possible... Again, this is where we start to we start to wonder because we've been we've been cons- we've been considering the things of the world. Could it be possible that God created other differences in men and women other than uh, those uh, organs to accomplish the remainder of the command, not just to multiply, but to subdue and take dominion over the earth? Here's what I'm saying. Up until the last five years or so, the main drive for the world has has been to remove any difference between the man and woman, specifically physical and mental. Women are equally capable of doing whatever a man does physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. And the world has done a great job and has convinced a lot of people, and even some Christians... That men and women are completely the same and always capable of performing all the same tasks. And really the only difference is the, the reproductive organs. But we know that they've come a way to f- figure out how to overcome that as well. God made women different from men. Yes, in those reproductive ways, but also in the physical makeup. In a hormonal makeup. And in a, in a, uh, even in the mind. Now, did he do that? Did he make Eve different because he wanted Eve to be a second-class citizen? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God wanted a second vessel. By no means did he create one different to serve a different purpose but one that was there to complement the other for the same purpose as the design of the man. The world sees what I just said, and that probably wasn't very clear. The world sees that as sexist, chauvinistic, and absolutely wrong. That men and women are made different for one purpose. But we ought to see... We ought to see how God has designed man and woman to be different as a beautiful expression of His infinite wisdom. As an expression of His knowledge. And that all of it was made possible by His infinite creation and power. We must also see how God is so precise and purposeful in His will and design. You could not have figured this out. We could have got the wisest of minds and we wanted to make a world. I mean, we're messing this one up. It was created the way it was supposed to be and we're messing this one up. 
So our understanding of what God intended and did, and when he saw male and female and he made them differently and he said this is good, we should worship him in that. Okay, there's differences. Let us deal with those differences. We, we, we will see that the differences of the vessel of the man and woman take shape ultimately in the body and in the mind. But before we do that, I want to introduce us to a word because for me it's been helpful. And that word is cultivate. That's where we get our word culture. That men and women, we cultivate, we do things, and out of what we do, we produce something. And that, what that means is in America, we produce an American culture and, and this and there. And so understand that the task of men and women by God in filling the earth for His glory is to cultivate now, let me help you understand this. When you think of cultivating something, most of you are going to think of what? A garden, right? A forest. Uh, you're going to think of working the land. This idea, when we think of that and we, we plug that into Genesis 1, who do we tend to think of? Adam, the man, cultivating, sent out to work the garden. Uh, but I know we have plenty of gardeners in here that are female. I acknowledge all of you. Um, but we'll come to that when we see Proverbs 31. Um, but understand, but that's not just work as in going and working in a garden, but it's cultivating for the act of it's cultivating for the act of producing and providing for going out and doing it day after day after day for the sake of the family. But we can also define cultivation in, this, in, a, in a different act of raising, growing, or rearing kids. See, what we have to understand is that our idolization, idolization, our idolizing of work, a job, a career, undermines the very fact that both male and female are working. They're both cultivating. They're both assigned a task for the sake of giving glory to God and spreading it across His creation. Right? So we cannot think, because this is how we think now, that because the man goes and works out, that is more important than the work done in. And I guarantee you, the majority of you feel the tension in that comment. Because I feel it. Because I have been brought up, I have been uh, infiltrated by all the things that says satisfaction is when you leave home and go and do. What have you just done? You've just cut out the design and plan and purpose of God. His purposeful and perfect plan. Now, God's design, we see 
through how he made man and woman. And even by the words and commands in Scripture, we see that the primary task of the man is to go out and to cultivate for the sake of providing. While on the other hand, as we analyze the makeup of a woman, we see God, the differences I should say, we see God has designed her to cultivate people. You look at a man and a woman and you tell me otherwise. Just look at them. You get it? Which leads us to the differences. First, the body. Okay, you ready? Men are stronger than women. Okay, nobody threw anything. (laughs) The bone structure of men are bigger and denser than women. That's not evolution. That's God's design. You understand? And, and the reason why I started this, this whole thing with what is a woman, not a man, is because the differences is what makes a woman. Do you understand that? The difference between a man and a woman is what defines a woman. And our culture has said that definition is bad. Being a woman the way God made you is wrong. So you could be a man. See, it, it, the ways of the world, they can't stop at just saying, oh, don't do it this way. It goes a step further in sin to where we have men becoming women and women becoming men. The body of the woman is not made by God to provide and protect. The Bible, uh, and, and I'll, for the sake of time, I won't do this. But go go and just read the Old Testament. And yes, the Old Testament is the Word of God. And there, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Old Testament counts. Go and read the Old Testament as God is trying to preserve Israel and trying to lead them as a nation. Do you know what he told his the men to go and do? Go fight. Do you know what he told the women to do? Stay home. And he was not making one greater than the other. He was being kind to the woman. If God, the creator of man and woman, and he makes one weaker than the other, and he says, all right, man, you go take care of the babies, woman, you go fight the lion. That's not a good God. That's not a loving God. But see, he gives a task and a role to fit the makeup. You know, the idea is that when, if God calls you to it, he'll equip you. Well, if he made you a woman, he's equipped you to the task to be a woman. And that's what we're looking and, and And that's the that. Well, I, I won't get there yet. Oh, no, actually, this is where I'm going. Here's this idea I want to introduce to you. And that idea is glory and weakness, or beauty and delicacy. Glory and weakness, beauty and delicacy. The same design characteristics of a woman that makes her glorious also makes her vulnerable. 
Do we understand that? A woman lacks muscular strength and bone structure, not because she's made inferior to man, but because she was made to help the man. God gave her a body she needed to perform the task that she was called to do. Cultivate cultivators. Raise little people. Help the man. Not stand by him in big, tall, and strength and go out and work with him. Do we understand? He made her the way he made her. And in that way of making her, here's what, and I've got permission from my wife to say this. (laughs) Women are made beautiful. From every tribe, tongue, time, error, women express something that men cannot express in their bearing the image of God, and that is beauty. That is beauty. Now I was at I was at a wedding yesterday. Do you know, guess who they talked about the most after the wedding? It wasn't how handsome the groom was. It was how beautiful the bride was. Who did they stand? That poor sap, he came out and nobody batted an eye. He walked down, stood next to me. But when the doors opened, I commanded, all rise. And everyone stood. And st- Now, the world says, you mean to tell me I'm nothing but just to look at. God made you to express Ladies, God made you to express what the man cannot express. And what you express is the beauty of God. Do you understand this? And the world says, the world, the world is ruining that beauty. We now, have you seen, I know know you have, when you've got men dressed as women, you all have said, every single one of you women ought to be spitting mad when you see a man dressed as a woman. Do you know why? That's not what you look like. That's not how God made you. It's disgusting. It's the world saying God is wrong because there is no God. I can be what I want to be. I'm be- No, God, I'll tell you this. Beauty is not in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the eye of God. Do you understand that? Beauty is in the eye of God. And He set apart women, made her glorious the way that she was to express what the man cannot express as an image bearer of God. Now, I heard of this illustration. Can you hammer a nail, and I've kind of put it into my my real life situation because I've seen this happen before in my house. Can you hammer a nail with a remote control? You can. You can put a nail in a wall with a remote control. Now, do you see carpenters walking around within their in their tool belt with remote controls? No, because that's not what remote controls were designed for. And hammers were made with the design to what? Hammer nails. Same goes for the woman. God has physically designed her not to be the head, not to provide, not to protect, 
but he created her for man to help the man to be a giver of life to raise and uh, nurture future men and future women what I'm trying to edit here so we can get out of here Why does the world see it that glory cannot come from a weakness? Let's look at 1 Peter 3, please. Verse 7. First Peter 3, verse 7. Now, we're not going back to... 1 Corinthians 11, but I want you to understand that 1 Corinthians 11 says it right out. Right out that, that woman is the glory, the radiance of man. And okay, imagine, like I've said before, my wife, what are those flowers called that you have? Hydrangeas. Uh, she's got hydrangeas. And do you know the most beautiful part about that hydrangea? It's those, those white flowers. And I mean, they pop from the, from the, the road. Do you know... What is the first thing to go when a windstorm comes through? Those flowers. Those flowers. The, those woody stems that no one will be like, oh, your hydrangea woody stems are so beautiful. <laughs> but those wooded stems are there to do what? Support the flower. And the, the flower is the glory of that wooded stem. Ladies, you are the glory of your husband. Don't be offended by that. The only way you might be offended by that is if your husband tries to take your glory. Men, look at, look at verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Again, you hear weaker. You cringe. If I put a glass vase up here, a $400 glass vase, would you gawk at it and say how beautiful it is? What if I went and knocked it over? What's going to happen? It's going to shatter. It's going to break. Weakness, fragility, delicacy does not equal worthlessness. We have to understand this. Because that's what the world is telling you. Christians, the Bible, God says women are weak. And you should be like, look at me. You should not respond and say, yeah, I can't believe God put that in there. Because what you're denying is the expression of the beauty of God in your weakness. It is not something to take advantage of, take advantage of, but the weakness of a woman is something to honor. And that's why you put that vase on a nice sturdy shelf, right? Not on a wobbly little table. You honor that beautiful, glorious vase and you protect it. Men, that's what you are to do to your 
bride. Okay, I've got to wrap up here. Quick thought on the the mind, the difference of the mind of the man and the woman. Keeping it, keeping in consideration glory and weakness, uh, beauty and delicacy. It's absolutely true that men and women think different. Fellas, can we not say thank the Lord? Thank the Lord. If you just, I spent probably too much time yesterday. I got like in research mode and I was trying to look up the difference between a man and a woman's brain and the frontal and the lobe and this and that and this this as so much stuff out there. But what's weird is that the world and its science acknowledges the difference between man and women, but man and woman. But then when they try to communicate it, they say, "Oh, there is no difference. A man can be a woman, and a woman can be." They cannot. They're made differently, and they even acknowledge it in their science. Here, here's what I found out when it comes to the, the 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 mind of a woman. And as I read this, I gave thanks to the Lord for my wife. The woman's brain is geared towards being attentive. And I'm, I'm taking big lofty words and trying to bring them down. Attentive, remembering future tasks, adapting to circumstances, and intuitive in moment thinking. So what does that mean? The woman can focus on more than one thing at a time. Number one. She's handling the kids. She's cooking supper. She's paying the bills. She's making sure her husband's uh, lunch is ready for the next day. Oh, one kid... Th- then, in all of that, she has pro- prospective memory, which helps her to remember things ought to be done in the future. So when you're about to go to bed, uh, husband, and you forget to take your medicine, your wife goes, go take your medicine. Or, she, uh, she's a... She's a pro- uh, yeah, yeah, no, she's an intuitive thinker also, making decisions more quickly and typically based on feelings. Then let me ask you, is that a good idea if you're going to make decisions based on feeling, if you're out working with a bunch of guys? Or would that be a good idea to have a, have a, a, a vessel of the image of God have been making moment-to-moment decisions based on feelings for someone to then be able to sympathize and empathize with a scraped knee or a hurting toddler? Women are made to be more sympathetic and empathetic than men ever will be. And when you come home from work, man, and you want to complain about the guy or the boss or the whatever, when our response to our spouse as a man to a woman is typically, oh, well, just do this or do that. But the woman, in her mind, feels for you and feels for her children because that is how God made her. And in all of those ways, and I know I spent too much time thinking through that and looking at that, but it acts absolutely, and I guarantee you, men, you can figure out and think about how your wife thinks differently than you, and you are so thankful for it in your day-to-day life. And it is made to express the beauty of God. But here's the thing I also found when I was looking yesterday. Women are more vulnerable to their feelings. And sometimes they're unable to see past the moment and the situation. And so what happens when that takes place? They're susceptible. 
they're susceptible. And I saw countless times that women are more vulnerable to anxiety and depression. Why? Because they feel. They think differently. They process differently. And we need them to think that way and feel that way in order to do what God made them to do. But you gentlemen, you don't kick her when she's down. You don't push her when she's anxious. You don't you don't you don't try to just make things right when she's when she's having a bad day. In an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Show honor to her. Once again, these weaknesses are present because they are the they are the outworkings of the glorious characteristics that God made for our wives to complement us as husbands. It does not show inferiority, it does not lessen their value or make them worthless, but it shows us the perfection of God's design for a man and a woman that they were made different but they were made for each other. I, I just, I've got to stop here, and I want to say, well, no, no, two things. The world has make has made men and women marriage the roles of a man and woman to be a competition. That's just absurd. It's more like, and this is not my illustration, it's someone else's. It's more like a dance. Have you ever seen someone dancing and they got done and the woman, and the man's like, ha, I beat you. That's silly. It's absolutely silly. What is the man doing when he's dancing with his, his lady? He's showing her off, right? He's leading her in a way that accentuates her. Now, let's all be honest. When we're watching a couple dance, who are you looking at? I don't man, woman. Who are you looking at? You're looking at the woman. Again, I got authorization from my wife to say that. <laughs> but it's true. Marriage is a dance. The man is leading, but he's leading in a way to exalt the woman. And the woman respectfully follows. And in her submission, she is herself exalted. All right. Last thing. When a woman seeks to fulfill her role and task as a helper, a giver of life, Acknowledging where she is weak, submitting to her husband, she actually shows herself to be strong. Now I just want to close. Everyone flip to Proverbs 31. And this is that manifestation. Verse 10.
An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the uh, uh, staff and her hand uh, hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellency, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Father, might you convict us of standing firm on your word. Would you cleanse us of all unrighteousness? Would you would you cleanse us of all that we have received over our lifetime from the world, from Satan that says God did not say? God, would you raise up women who are who fear not? who hope in God, who look to fulfill their calling as a helper, as a giver of life. Lord, would you give them wisdom and strength? Lord, would you show them how they can help, how they can even provide as we see in Proverbs 31? God, I pray that you would raise up women who seek faithful obedience and following Christ in marriage. And God, on behalf of us men and husbands, would you give us what we need to provide a place, a space, a culture, a home where our wives can flourish? Would you humble us as men not to Not to walk around with our chest pumped up proud, but understand that we are to follow Christ in all humility and giving of ourselves for the sake of our spouse, for the sake of our home. I pray, Lord, that nothing that has been said 
or any truth of Scripture could be twisted for, for one or for the other. And Lord, that all the houses represented in here, God, would you tie them, unite them of one mind, of one accord, a man seeking to be faithful and humble and a woman seeking to be faithful and humble as they follow Christ each and every day. God, mindful of the the words matter, mindful that little eyes are watching for your kingdom. May it come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may it begin in our homes as husbands and wives. Acknowledging you as God. You as our Lord. You as our King. Only you can do this. In Jesus' name, amen.